Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome to the Tony and Dakota podcast. It's been a little while since we've been on, but uh, we're it's excited. Been a yeah, <laughs> we're excited to be back today. We've got a special guest. It's us. Tony and Dakota. Yeah, it's Tony and Dakota. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about what everybody wants us to talk about. It seems like that's uh the market update and where we're at uh in the market what we're doing to change the business what you guys can do to protect yourself in this changing time too so we're going to go in to all of that and maybe the uh thumbnail will be something like that's uh for people who are listening freaking out yeah <laughs> yeah just to face of somebody freaking out you know like graham stefan and all those youtubers who are who do really well always have the panic and the the red arrow down and like the s p and the dow like everything's down right now yeah uh yeah it's been going down the last 90 days it's funny because i remember with covid and stuff everybody's like okay the market's gonna go down all this stuff's gonna happen and i was just like dude it doesn't even really matter that much you know like it does it's not gonna matter and then same thing whenever these interest rates went up i'm like ah I don't know, maybe it won't affect it that much. And uh, we've definitely noticed a shift, huge shift in the last uh, 90 days, I would say. And it happened like quick, like very fast. So I would say that uh, it's very real this time where uh, as during COVID, I was just like, eh, I didn't feel any kind of way. Um, I feel a kind of way now. Well, it's funny too, because I feel like it doesn't happen. Like you said it happened quick, mm -hmm. but it still happens like over like 90 days. You know, I feel like in 2008 people were like oh it happened overnight yeah and uh it still feels like it's predictable like there's a lot decisions. of there's evidence too like for instance you know uh, i told you that coinbase uh released something and then some folks were talking about how we're going to go into a crypto winter and that was like two and a half months ago so like there are all these projections that are wrong sometimes like just pop culture or like ways of getting clicks and views and getting a rise out of people. But if you pay attention to uh, what was the name of the one that's going bankrupt that you had money? Voyager. In? Yeah. Voyager went under. So they still got my money. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these crypto, a lot of cryptos down right now. I mm -hmm. think Ethereum's getting closer to a thousand now. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I'm looking forward to like, when it actually hits the bottom like we don't know when it's going to be necessarily but uh you know some people say oh you know inflation will peak in two years or it'll last for another two or it'll last for another five but like we know that it's happening at least we know that the we have to uh the government needs to create a recession by raising interest rates so that people there's less activity in the market so that we can get supply under control and all the issues that come with that. Yeah, it's funny because uh, um, we all knew it was going to happen. Everybody talked about it. Everybody who knew anything about economics, like you can't print up that much money and like not have a consequence. And like, I feel like we just forgot about it. We're just like, yeah, yeah that was then. This is now. And like, we just like acted like it wasn't a big deal. And we didn't like, but we all knew what was going to happen. So um, again, like we keep saying this, but we were accumulating a ton of debt and a ton of properties at a rapid pace at that time and everybody was kind of like oh man like i don't know and even i started thinking i was like i don't know this is a little scary and then now it's like well this is actually going to work out very very well 
to have all of this debt, to have all of these properties. And basically we put ourselves in a position that it should be very good as long as the cash flow can keep us sustained through all of this. Um, then yeah, it's going to be good. That was something I was actually, uh, this is a little bit unrelated, but still related. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, it always talks about cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. And I think I sent you an article actually where somebody else talked about how cash flow is not the highest of importance. It's basically a protection. And so a lot of times as investor, we chase that cash flow and we don't look at anything else. And then you're supposed to look at investing in a holistic way, which I think we learned over time. In the beginning, we were only worried about cash flow. Now it's about appreciation stuff. But the nice thing is cash flow does protect you in times like this, as long as you have the cash flow you're not really worried about where the market goes, which is nice. But at the same time, you don't get as much upside if you're not in other areas, but there's a whole lot less downside too. So I guess we can talk a little bit about like, uh, I mean, I, we don't have the official statistics on days on the market, but uh, when we were at the uh, our Future Flipper Master in our mind in Vegas, uh, Future Flipper was saying that the average time on market used to be 17 days, and now it's looking more like 90 to 120. I don't know. What Do you know what our days on market is or like what we're? Um, I do not. I know it's definitely not that long. It's not even close to 90 days or anything like that. I mean, I think it went from, it seemed like three days was our average. And I would say our average time on market now would be like, I don't know, 20 to 30. So it's still, that's the funny thing is, uh, it's still not bad. Like, it's not like we're like that worried that houses aren't selling or anything like that. It's like, you know, we, we went up here. I mean, when COVID hit, we're way up there and we're, we're like coming down just a little bit, but we're still in a pretty dang good spot, honestly. Like it's still not bad. And, uh, yeah, we'll go into what we're doing actually to protect ourselves. But yeah, I still think it 30 days, which is, I think pretty good still. We've seen high interest in areas where people are generally interested. Like we have a property in Leo. We had a bunch of showings on that property. Um, it seems like the number of offers is shrinking and people aren't as likely to pay over asking anymore. In fact, they're willing to ask us for closing costs and more likely they're going to ask us for more stuff on the buyer's inspection response. Um, so in order to combat that, we've tried to make our properties more pristine as far as taking care of all of the possible issues that people could ask for, and then still expecting them to come up with one or two or 10 things after they get an inspection. Yeah, so that's that's one way that we've been uh, kind of protecting ourselves and something that I've talked to the team about, like our project manager, the guys that are doing the rehab and stuff is that whenever we're doing these flips, we used to like kind of just, all right, let's just throw it on the market. It didn't matter about the small details and stuff because it, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and now it's a big deal. Like it's becoming a very big deal. The details matter and the, the value of what people are getting needs to exceed the payment. And now that's a higher bar. And so that's basically what we're keeping in mind whenever we're flipping these properties, because people are still buying. They just need to feel like they're getting way more than what they're paying in their payment, which is a lot more. So now the properties need to be that much nicer, that much better, that much more pristine. And um, I don't even know if necessarily we fix everything up front. We just try to make sure that everything is like, like as nice and as uh, done well up front, as opposed to, um, you know, just uh, we don't need to do flooring in this one. Uh, we might be able to leave this. We might be able to, you know, leave this. This roof has three years left. Maybe we'll just leave it. Uh, now it's just like, nah, let's just do all of it. That way they're like, this is a very good deal and there's nothing that I'm gonna have to do. Um, and we've been, uh, we've been pretty successful with that. 
And then also with interest rates going up, it's going to decrease when you look at uh, debt to income and the way that banks pre-qualify people, at least traditional lending. When you look at the pool of buyers, they're going to be able to afford less house now going into the future. You know, they may still have their pre-approval. They need to hurry up and buy a house because interest rates keep going up. So they're going to be able to afford less and less house. You know, if they were previously pre-approved for 500000 and then interest rates climb again, that same payment may be on a $430,000 house. You know, they may have lost seventy grand in buying power just because interest rates changed 1.5%, and they're not getting better from what we can see anyways. The way that they're trending, I don't think interest rates are going to come down Yeah, for a bit. Yeah, I figured I'd uh, I share with you guys where we're at on uh, like all of our properties too. So as of right now, we have 11 properties in escrow to purchase, um, which basically means we have them under contract closing within the next, you know, 30 days. Um, we have 11 flips active that we're repairing, like, you know, still in the middle of uh, construction. We have four rental rehabs that were still in the middle of construction. We have five listed on the market and we have 16 in escrow to sell. So um, our biggest... Uh, you know, right now is an escrow to sell, which is means that, yeah, but it also means that properties are still selling mm-hmm. um, because all of ours are in escrow to sell. So they're still selling, um, which I think uh, people have the misconception that, oh, man, I shouldn't buy properties right now. It might be the best time to buy properties because, again, people are scared, people are getting nervous. Um, and also, if you buy a property right now and you buy it uh, for you know a higher interest rate, sure your interest rate is going to be higher, but a lot of times it's going to be a lower price than if you bought it you know six months ago. And then you can refinance whenever the rates go down, and you still have hopefully a lot of equity in that property, um, and your payment can go down. So that's what I always think about too: is your payment may be higher now, but it can always go down later in the future whenever rates go back down. So it's a good time to actually buy, and it's going to be turning into a buyer's market which it is still not it is still a seller's market right now inventory is still low too that's the funny thing is inventory is still low and people are still buying and it's still a seller's market but it's the start of the shift so um yeah that's basically where we're at and uh you know we already touched on one thing that we're doing to protect ourselves the other thing that we're doing um is uh, just buying our properties for less, which is that one's pretty obvious. You know, our minimum flip used to be $20,000. That's after everything. We want a net minimum of $20,000. Um, but we're also being very conservative on, a, on a, not appraisals, but very conservative on ARVs, which we already were conservative, even more conservative now. Um, so it's been like the the deals that we're getting have been maybe a little bit less because we're being that conservative. But then also we're, we increased our minimum profit from 20,000 to 30,000. So I'm like, Hey, if we're not making 30, we don't even want it. Cause we want that equity to be there. We also changed our time on market from, or sorry, not time on market time. that we're going to hold the property from four months to six months. So when you add all of that up, the amount of discount that you have to get for all of those different things, when you're using more conservative ARVs, when you're increasing the profit by $10,000 and you're increasing the time that you're going to own the property for, for two more months, insurance costs, interest, all of that stuff, you're talking like another $25,000 off from what we were buying them three months ago. So that's, a, that's basically what we're doing to, uh, to protect, um, I don't know if there's anything else 
else you could think of. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate? It's not like what you see on HGTV. We created a course to show you how to really invest and create a profitable flipping and wholesaling business. We give you marketing strategies like how to pull lists, who we target, and where we find the money. We go over sales, which includes live calls and negotiations, scripts, role-playing, and so much more. Everything that you need to know to flip houses is in this course. And if there's anything that we missed, we will create a video to answer your specific question. This knowledge has made us over a million dollars and we're selling it today for just $997. Click the link below. Well, I just think of uh, some of the interesting problems that we run into because of that. So one thing is like a bottleneck of money because we have a disproportionate amount of money in the properties that are sitting now versus when we had the properties on the market for three days and then they closed in 33. You know, we had it on the market, accepted an offer on day three. 30 days later, the people closed unless they had a USDA loan and then it took 60 when it was supposed to take 30. But, <laughs> you know, the, the bottleneck is uh, that we have all this money that has that's not coming back to us as quickly. Uh, another bottleneck that uh, is good right now, actually, because, you know, when the market's shifting, you don't want to be buying as many properties, but we're not buying as many properties. And so then we don't have as much of a chance to make as much money on the back end because the market's kind of in a turbulent time right now. And we're being more conservative with our buying approach. And then um, I feel like there's another bottleneck, too. I, I had it in my head and then I lost it once I started talking. But yeah. I say uh, it's funny because, uh, yeah, you talked about all the money. So just in those 16 properties alone, um, just so you guys get an idea about how much money is wrapped up, we will get $475,000 back to us personally. Um, like LTD is going to get $475,000 back. And then the people that we borrowed money from, whether that's private money lenders, such as yourself, if you're watching this, um, or the banks is like 912000 So basically we have somewhere around like, 1.3 1.4 just sitting in escrow right now that we're waiting on and then we have to like you know try to hurry up get that money back and then just keep the keep the ball rolling um but yeah when they're sitting there uh it's not fun it's not fun just waiting on that money you know it's there you know it's coming well hypothetically you know it's coming we had one uh, in Leo, actually, that uh, was supposed to close last week, and we were going to get $140,000, and then our private money lender was going to get 160000 back that day. So that's $300,000 of capital that we thought we were going to have last week. And uh, they backed out literally the day before closing, so highly, one day. Highly recommended buyers. <laughs> you know, highly recommended. Yeah. Everybody was trying to get this thing pushed through. She apologized. Fan, fantastic realtor as well. Probably one of the best realtors in Fort Wayne, yeah. uh, numbers-wise, anyways. And uh, even with everything coming in with five-star reviews, uh, it ended up being a one-star experience. So, <laughs> Yeah, so the, literally we did everything for the inspection response. We did a lot of work, a lot of work, probably like $10,000 worth of work, honestly. And, uh, yeah, just said yes. So that's another thing that we've been doing. Uh, kind of protect ourselves, but then more just like to get the deals to go through. We just say yes on all the inspection response. Yes, we'll fix it all. Um, so unless you're currently under contract with us and you're a buyer and you're getting an inspection response back, then we we think about it. Yeah, for a while. Well, we definitely it over. we really do think about it. I'm like, yeah, how big of a deal is this really? But like uh, most of the time, we just say yes on all that stuff because we try to make sure 
uh, that obviously we want to keep the buyer and want to make sure that they're happy too. If but it's reasonable. Yeah, if, exactly. If you're unreasonable, oh, we will definitely, we have no problem telling you to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we did everything on that property in Leo. We were supposed to close literally the next day and yeah, didn't turn out. So that's what happens. That's the, that's the hard part about, you know, property sitting in escrow and not being able to use that capital because obviously you think it's coming. You know, you, we think we know it is, but we think it's coming and uh, sometimes it doesn't. So it's an interesting, interesting problem. But um, yeah, we kind of talked already a little bit about how we've seen the market turn. Have you seen anything else that's shifted? Well, I was trying to do some future pacing. So I kind of talked to Dakota about this before. I'm like, hey, inflation's going to hit high numbers. And so, you know, at some point, the government's going to have to like step in and raise interest rates. And our our strategy for growing our business has always been leveraged so we've always used banks we've always used other people's money and then i am anticipating there going to be more and more deals as people start to realize that they're not going to be able to sell their houses there's going to be more on the mls there's going to be more realtors reaching out to us there's going to be more uh private sellers that are just like hey uh you know i I thought I saw my property and now it doesn't look like it's a great time to sell. And I wondered if you guys would give me a cash offer. And so the last bottleneck that I'm seeing is us not having enough capital. And so one of the ideas that we just put through, uh, we paid money uh, to have lawyers write up a fund. So it's a 506C fund. We can only take accredited investors. Uh, which there's like a, a simple form that you can fill out to see if you're an accredited investor. There's three different websites I can send you to. But if you're genuinely interested in getting a consistent return, this fund targets a 6% APR uh, return. So it's nothing that's like, like outrageous or crazy. Like we're not making promises or guarantees or anything like that. But if you're sick of seeing your money go down, with the S&P 500, the Dow, you're getting your, you know, it's it's hilarious to me. My, <laughs> I'll pick on my dad a little bit, but he has a money guy and, and he's like, my money guy's advice, you know, my broker, the guy who makes you broker, sends me, <laughs> sends me uh, reports like every quarter. And he says, just take them and throw them in the trash. Just leave that money in, Dave. Just wait for it to come back. It's gonna come back. And it always does. And you know, to a certain extent, that's like brokers are right. If you leave your money in the market long enough, you just hope that you retire at the right that's time. What I was say, timing has got to be right then. Yeah. So then you're going to hold off, you know, retiring for another 10 years while you wait on the market to shift back. But it's just funny because it's like, you know, if you had control of your own money, then you have to accept personal responsibility for it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you do end up losing money, then it makes you look silly, but, uh, and it's all on you. But, uh, if you leave it up to the broker, the broker's like, hey, uh, I'm still gonna collect my half a percent fee, my 1% fee, I'm still gonna get paid, even if you lose, even if your portfolio is going down. And all people have been seeing for the last two, probably three quarters now is down, 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 down. And their advice is just ignore it, just ignore it, just ignore it. But then when you start making record returns, you know, like in 2020, 
2021 when it's like everybody's making 12 percent they're opening their portfolio they're looking at it like oh man yeah i did great the last three quarters like this is the greatest time in history i'm making so much money and then when you know the downturn comes they're just like yeah just take that take that portfolio report and just throw it in the trash just don't don't even think about it are you letting deals fall through the cracks because you don't have good systems in place We've been there before and we've tried several different CRMs and Ari Simply has been the best. Ari Simply tracks your KPIs, does automatic follow-ups for you, and even records your incoming phone calls. The system is simple to use and has more features than we even know what to do with. If you're looking for a great CRM, try Ari Simply today. We put the link in the description. Check it out now. Yeah, I remember everybody, like, whenever we told them about private money stuff, like, well, my my return on this, I'm making, you know, 15, 20%. I'm like, okay. But, like, have you ever lost money on that? Well, yeah, I mean, it, like, goes up and down. So, right now, you make a 15, but, like, you know, now what are you making? So, uh, I would say that real estate, I don't know if you're allowed to say it or not, but it is true. Real estate seems to be a lot more consistent. Um, and I've noticed whenever I talk to these like broker people, it is funny that I, it, it bothers the crap out of me for some reason when they give me advice, I'm just like, okay, what's your net worth? Okay. If you listen to your own advice, then why is your net worth not higher? If you know about money and how to make more money based on results, I'm confused on why you don't have any money. It doesn't make very much sense to me. So if you know these secrets, and stuff like you should be building something because people that we talk to and give us advice and like give us good advice usually are doing exceptionally well in whatever they're giving us advice at that's that's basically what i've seen though is like the people who are the money managers usually aren't doing very well themselves um so it's a very hard for me to accept their advice yeah oh i think some of it too is the archetype of being a good relationship person where you know like in in uh the psi seminar that uh i'm pretty passionate about that dakota and i have both been through there's an archetype of people called promoters and those people tend to be great at going to the country club meeting up with bob going out for golf making the the concepts and the strategies of managing their money sound like the best thing ever and like why haven't you given me your money because i will do great things with it and then they let somebody else handle the details and that sort of thing i feel like that might be the uh the relationship archetype you know the promoter may be the person that uh is able to do that like consistent like reaching out and touching yeah. people and that sort of thing and so i feel like a lot of the the money manager guys end up being that uh, let's get you started right now. And then they don't have as much follow through. But besides that, I just think that, uh, that when it comes to money management, a lot of people haven't done the same research. Like even if you read Tony Robbins money, master the game, his advice is basically like buy a Vanguard fund, like S and P 500 and just write it out. And he's writing it for the general public. Mm -hmm. But his advice is still like, hey, just so you know, a lot of money managers actually take consistently like 1% out of your portfolio minimum. And it's not as good as you think it is, even though they'll tell you their fees are only 0.15% or whatever, it ends up being more than you think. And when you look at compounding interest over time, the amount that they're taking out uh, to manage your money 
they win regardless of if you, your money goes up or your money goes down. They consistently get those fees. It isn't as good of a deal as you thought it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important just in every area too. You know, I was talking to uh, um, Dan Hodges actually about it the other day. He's like, man, like, why is it so he's hard? He's a tax accountant. Yeah, he's our tax accountant. Um, and he has a course basically just giving you an overview of like, hey, what LLC should you open up? Should you be, you know, a sole proprietor? Like, how should you structure all this stuff? And basically as a course that talks about that, he's like, why is it so difficult uh, for like younger people to want to do this stuff these days? I'm like, I don't know. I mean, usually what they want to do is exactly like the broker thing. Hey, you handle it. I don't want to know anything about it. But and uh, it was some people that actually work for us, too. And they're asking me, you know, should I do this or whatever? I'm like, it is a great idea to have a general understanding of what you're doing because how are you going to know if the person's doing it correctly or not if you don't know anything about it if you don't know anything about managing money how are you going to know if they're doing well if when it's down they say oh just keep doing it and you're like they're the expert and same thing with your tax accountant like we found out that we had some interesting tax accountants because we found out what a good tax accountant actually looks like based on what a bad one is. And I know more about accounting now than I ever feel that I should know. But now, again, I know enough to know what a good tax accountant looks like and what a bad one looks like. So I think it's good to have a general. You don't have to get really minute where you know everything. You're an expert. But just get a general understanding of what they're doing to manage your money or what the tax accountant's doing or what LLC or anything. Like It's, it's good to have some sort of understanding about what the heck you're doing yeah it's funny too because there are some guys i won't necessarily say who they are but they're uh they've been known for creating real estate empires here in Mm -hmm. town and uh one of the guys was like yeah i gave all of my tax information over to my accountant and uh and based on what he was telling me i could tell that his accountant wasn't doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing because it it sounded like he didn't have to pay that much in taxes. And then he basically said, well, yeah, uh, I just got a, a message from the IRS saying that I still owe money from two years ago. In fact, it was quite a bit of money. So I had to pay that. And then my tax accountant said, oh, that was our mistake. We'll pay all the fees and everything. And so, uh, you know, if you if you go into something knowing absolutely nothing about it and it's as important as your taxes, like that's kind of a, that's a, a part of your business that you don't necessarily want to skimp out on money. And I think we've figured that out over time too. We did kind of uh, spend less money for a less quality accountant and then realize that tax accountants are expensive, but they're worth it because mm-hmm. if you have all of your numbers right, it's actually going to help you make more money in the future because when you hand your numbers to the bank and they're explainable and you understand them and it's documented well, your chances of getting financing and getting favorable terms and getting approved for lines of credit. For instance, we would have gotten our $500,000 line of credit bumped up to a million dollar line of credit and we would have gotten a refinance done at lower rates that ultimately would have saved us thousands of dollars a month, probably thousands, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, interest rate wise, if we I mean, had gotten hundreds it of thousands, two points lower, like two percentage points lower, we and, could have refinanced. And we could have re- we could have refinanced sooner, which means we would have had more confidence to keep more rentals. So that cost us a lot of money. But then also, 
um, the thing about having your numbers be right is you're more certain. You're more certain that you're actually doing the right things. If your profit and loss is off and you're not sure if you're making money or not, because although your flips are going in under a flip expense, your purchase price, and it shows that you're making no money, even though like you may have spreadsheets for all this stuff, which we had spreadsheets for absolutely everything, because like I had to keep a spreadsheet just in order to like know if we're on the right track or not. But if you don't know if you're on the right track or you're unconfident, you're now second guessing your decisions a little bit. So those numbers will give you a lot of confidence especially if you have good ones to know that you're on the right track to know what you're doing and even if it's bad now you'll know where you'd need to not do that thing so um the other thing that i really liked what you said what you talked about uh um, you know, investors and, and other investors and taking the referrals. And we do that a lot. We do that with money managers. We do that with tax accountants. We do that with whatever professionals. We're like, okay, this person is doing extremely well. I'm just going to listen to them because they seem to know what they're doing. So I'm just going to take their advice. And I will tell you, that is not the right way. We've done that before. We were like, man, this guy is a freaking beast. Let's go use his tax accountant. Well, then we got the that tax accountant's son didn't work out horrible then we're like okay we know this other investor this guy's a beast his tax accountant he was really good at one thing but he wasn't good at actually like uh uh you know doing taxes he was good at uh organizing things not necessarily the right way then we went with another tax accountant who was a referral from a like a couple big investors we're like dang these big investors use this person they got to be good and so uh, and so I've heard that from uh, other people that, well, you know, I'll just take your referral. I'm like, no, you need to have a general understanding because even if you take my referral, they might work really well for me and they might not be doing it for you. And you don't know if they're doing it for you or not if you don't actually know a, at least a little bit or how to read numbers, how to know if they're doing what they're supposed to do. Don't just take a referral from somebody who's doing this really well. Like get a general understanding of whatever it is that uh, you're, you're getting these referrals from. Yeah, I think what Dakota was saying earlier, too, there's a, another saying that kind of goes along with leadership, which is to judge leadership by uh, people's results. So that's like a really objective way to look at uh, what what someone's words and advice and whatnot are worth. Obviously, it's not the only way to judge someone's leadership, but it is uh, one of the ways that we've been taught through some of the personal development that we've done is to judge leadership by results. And so um, when you're picking who you want to emulate, I'm, I like, I hate the word mentors now. I feel like we've had like people reach out and be like, oh, I want you to be my mentor. <laughs> really, I'm like, if you're modeling somebody else's behavior, you're going to want to pick somebody that's had results in the specific area mm -hmm. of, you know, if it's business and they're doing well in business, then you're going to want to model them in business and uh look at the strategies that they're employing yep yeah uh so this morning uh I, we were talking about um mindset about the market too so i was thinking back to uh, uh casey shirey actually saw him at the gym this morning mm. and uh so he uh ran he's coming, on, he's coming on the podcast yeah yep i know <laughs> that's what i said uh so i hope you're on the podcast in a couple weeks but casey uh owns um city chevy or he owns a portion of City Chevy in, in City Ford in Columbia City. He used to run Glenbrook Dodge though. And so sometimes he come in to visit when I worked at Glenbrook Dodge and uh, you know, we're having a down month at Dodge. And uh, he was like, man, how's, how's everything going? I was like, it's going great. And he's like, yeah, I mean, the people who get it done, you'll get it done one way or the other, it doesn't matter. And that's kind of the mindset that uh, we are in and that we have to be in, especially whenever the market's going down is if you think that, oh, the market's going down. So now there's less deals out there. You know, what's going to happen. 
the, you're going to think the market is down and you're going to get less deals because that's what you're creating. Or if you could turn it into, oh, the market's down, there's going to be a whole lot more opportunities and we can get a lot more deals and make a lot more money. What's going to happen is you're going to get a lot more deals and you're going to make a lot more money. So it's, uh, it's again about your mindset that you have towards this stuff because everybody's going to tell you all of this stuff, but you can still win even when it's down. Um, so it's just about what you're actually believing about what's happening and the people who do well, man, I remember when I was in car sales and it would be one of the slowest months ever. We sold like, I think like 70 cars or something like that. I sold 25 of them. And I was like, holy crap. Like I sold over 30% of, uh, of the vehicles. That was because I didn't get in the mindset. I didn't let other people tell me, oh, it's winter time. So it's gonna slow down. Oh, everything's do going horrible because I didn't care. I didn't care what they're doing. I knew that I was gonna get mine. And uh, that's basically what you can, uh, do to change your mindset is just know that it's possible know that there's going to be a lot of people making a lot of money in this time people are going to be winning and you have to stay in that mindset whether or not it's true or not is it doesn't even matter you just need to stay in the mindset that hey i'm going to go out there and i'm going to win um so what and then the last thing that i think i wanted to touch on unless you got anything else is what they should do to protect themselves okay so that that's one thing that I would say to do is to protect yourself is to get that mindset that there's still deals out there. I think that there's uh, since you're talking about like potential opportunities and like looking at things optimistically, I, there's a, a couple different things that are interesting to me. One, I know pretty well, one, I don't know very much about, but I see two cool opportunities coming up that are like, that are going to be huge. And uh, I don't know if I'll end up taking advantage of them or not, but I just want to project it. Uh, one thing is NFTs. I was looking into it last night. Uh, apparently, I, I can't remember if it's here in the U.S. or in total. I think it's the U.S. There's supposedly 3.3 million holders of NFTs. But then when they looked into the individuals that actually own them with the number of wallets that people have and that sort of thing and people owning multiple of the NFTs, there's really only 3.3 million pieces of artwork out there, uh, tokens available. And of those, it was looking like around, they were projecting because they don't actually know, but it looked like it was a little over 300,000 people own 80% of the NFT market. Wow. And so it's such a small percentage of the population. It's like between one to 3% of the population own NFTs. And even though 99% of them are junk and aren't gonna go anywhere, there's still this 1% of the NFTs that uh, because I feel like there's barriers to entry because the process of buying an nft is so stupid mm -hmm. it takes forever just to figure it out mm -hmm. and then there's like this this moment when the money's transferring and both of your accounts say zero and that gets real scary yeah. <laughs> for a minute where you're like where'd the money go because it's being transferred electronically like what happens if it blips or something happens and then there's another problem too when it comes to you know being able to secure it because uh, there's these 12 word passphrases and, you know, cold storage wallets and people, you know, hacking people's phones and trying to figure out your passwords and everything else. I think because there are so many barriers to entry and so much to understand and so much that like this would be not even the golden age, like the diamond age of buying NFTs. You know, if you get behind of somebody like gary v who has his v friends out uh ryan pineda uh who has tykes out uh world of women was a good one um the crypto punks would be a fantastic one to buy 
bored apes. Like those things are gonna go down and down and down in value because it was more like people's accessory or like additional income that they were purchasing these things with. They're gonna come back in like a huge way, I'm sure. And it's going to be crazy and people are going to become like billionaires because mm -hmm. <laughs> they bought a few NFTs when the market like hit nothing. So that's something that I see coming up with the crypto winter NFTs are down and they're going to keep going down and then they're going to hit the bottom and they're going to come back when the economy comes back. NFTs are going to go crazy. And even though it was really difficult to figure out how to buy it, how to keep it secure, how to protect yourself. Um, I think there's going to be huge opportunity in NFTs. I hope so. The other one that I was thinking of is, uh, which is something that we may shift to a little bit uh, with our marketing, because typically we're looking to buy properties at a discount. I almost think that something that uh, Alex used to do, Alex Clark, one of our friends, he used to put up signs that would say like, sell your house, name your price, or like you choose full the price. price. Yeah. yeah, full price for your house. And so then uh, basically you'd just be negotiating the terms because if interest rates hit like 9%, you, and, and there's a bottleneck too with people's expectations because they saw this market and they're like, oh, my house is worth, you know, what it was worth at the beginning of COVID. You know, I want 300,000 for this uh, $250,000 house. Mm -hmm. You may be able to give them $300,000 if they're willing to give you 3% financing over 30 years. Mm -hmm. And that's gonna, to me, that's like the new play is like, Hey, <clears throat> yeah, I'll give you the price you want. I just need you to give me seller financing. And then there are so many benefits to the seller. If they do seller financing, especially selling to you like a seasoned investor or someone who has ambitious pursuits versus a regular homeowner who just couldn't get a loan in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that same thing. Actually, I was like, man, like seller financing is obviously the way to go. If we can get that lower rate, I need to call that guy, by the way, and just make sure they sent that over to the lawyer and everything. Um, we have one that we're working right now. That's a awesome deal. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a great way to protect yourself too, is just by getting seller financing. I mean, you're going to get a lower rate. It's like less risk. It's definitely a good way. Um, the other thing that I would say to do to protect yourself, it's again, it's obvious, but just to remind you guys, like buy at a lower rate or a lower price. Like it's just so important to buy at a lower price. So whatever you were buying before, you need to buy a little bit lower, expect to hold it a little bit longer. And then um, something is so funny to me. I was just talking about it yesterday. Ryan Pineda convinced us to flip and wholetail all of our properties. He's like, oh, you're going to get that. Us, now he's going just to wholesaling and that is a safer way to do it. It's just a wholesale. Um, I don't think it's a bad strategy just to wholesale stuff. And honestly, we may start wholesaling a little bit more. We've created a little bit of a monster where we're like, okay, now we got a project manager. Now we got all these contractors and stuff. So we're never going to stop flipping or keeping rentals to like flip because now we've got a lot of uh, people on staff that we want to keep their jobs. Um, and it's extremely profitable and it's still selling, but we may actually ramp up the wholesaling a little bit more instead of like wholesaling stuff, just try to get it sold beforehand just to protect us a little bit more. So that's what I would do is protect yourself is buy lower, seller financing, um, increase your spreads, conservative ARVs, uh, make your flips. If you're flipping, make your flips nicer, just make them top notch. Um, and then I guess the last, what was the last thing? I don't even remember. I don't know. I was I was going to say improve your sales skills too cuz I see a yeah. lot of guys who like 
they'll buy a property like uh somebody just sent me one i won't say his name he sent me one and uh he he's showing it to investors and he's like yeah the arv is 100 and the asking price is 80 and i'm like there's no room in that for any investor to make any money after they pay closing costs after they pay realtors the thing needed a full rehab they're gonna lose 20 grand like i was looking at the roof and i was like that's at least a seven thousand eight thousand dollar roof yep and so when you buy properties you have to get so good at explaining uh well finding out what they want figuring out what they want to accomplish figuring out if you're the right fit for them and then positioning yourself to be the solution and then overcoming their objections and so if you guys want uh some stellar sales training dakota uh holds one on mondays at 9 a.m eastern standard time yep it's 150 a month 150 a month yeah and the only reason that uh honestly i'm giving it away that cheap not giving it away it's not free but it's very cheap and the only reason that we do that is because we can train other people who work for us so the cool thing is that you get to come in role play learn exactly what we're doing you get to learn all of the sales skills that we are using every single day and honestly like there's some people in this market that are directly competing with us um but at the same time like it doesn't create any more work for me to train them because honestly we're doing it to train our acquisitions guy and we're going to use it to train our cold callers so it's not any more work for me so that's the reason we're able to do it so cheap so get all the scripts and you get to practice with some high level uh investors um and you get to learn exactly what we say to people to get that lower price so honestly 150 bucks you know you're gonna make it up on your first deal you do one deal you've paid yourself for freaking the next 10 years so it's so cheap but got anything else uh no i think that that's pretty much covers it cool the only other thing that i was going to say that has been interesting that has shifted for us is that realist real estate agents have been calling us mm -hmm. they've been calling us for properties that are on the market and then uh just had one that i uh, uh it was listed on the market or not on the market on facebook marketplace for three hundred forty thousand. Mm -hmm offered them 220 yesterday the arv is like 400 to 420 and they're actually thinking about accepting it and i'm just like man this is shifting that's in four four six eight four five it's on four acres huge house 2800 square foot just it's all outdated needs a ton of work that, that wasn't the only one did you see our email this morning no it was a lake property oh i didn't even see that one yeah that basically oh it, i think it came through the re simply mm. uh it, it was just like a something that pinged into our email but it was a conversation basically a broker real estate broker who said they already found their new house but they have to sell this one mm -hmm. and so we have to figure it out because the buyer fell through the buyers mm. financing which I foresee that happening not not long term but like right now people's mm -hmm. financing falling through because rates are changing banks are getting more conservative and banksters are gangsters they'll do whatever they want mm -hmm. if they start to get feel sketched out about a deal and you were kind of on the edge of getting approved they'll just drop you and come up with whatever bullcrap excuse they want to to not have to give you financing so that's kind of that looks like that's what happened in this scenario and now there's a lake house that's available wow yeah and we're going to see a lot more of that. We just had another one that a guy had the property listed on the market for three hundred thousand. We just uh, have we have it under contract right now for two twenty five, um, and we'll probably put you know fifteen into it, throw it back on the market for three hundred. Um, so it's just crazy. It's crazy to me that like uh, times are definitely changing, and we're about to be the uh, 
we're about to be the people who are like people are coming to us instead of us texting them and stuff like people are about to just flood us we're gonna have to say no to deals that's gonna be the interesting thing is like it's a deal and there's 20 grand to be made there and we're gonna have to say no that's gonna be so crazy so but that is uh um part of the business unless we can get this fund up and going so if you guys want to be a part of the fund and you're a accredited investor let us know if you don't know what accredited is you're probably not accredited <laughs> um, and hey there's a chance there's some folks out there who might be accredited they just don't know what it is <laughs> i really doubt it if you don't know what accredited is look it up and find out if you're accredited and um if you guys are not accredited you can still invest with us a different way so uh let us know if you would like to uh you know partner, par up. partner up with us uh lend on some properties and uh if you want to be a part of the fund let us know um anything else you want to share tony rusi before we say that's it all right we'll see you guys on the next one peace out